Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. And welcome into another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football. I'm Aikman Chambers, your new host this year of the Sunbelt Podcast. Yes, this is our first Sunbelt Podcast of 2018 where we're talking all things about the Fun Belt. And, of course, replacing my role since I replaced Adam Luckett as the host of the Fun Belt edition of the podcast. Filling my role as co-host now, Brian Stone, the contributor to Georgia Southern. Yes, you're hearing this right. An Appalachian State guy teaming up with a Georgia Southern guy. Brian, it's great to have you on and a part of this uh, from the gung-ho now. And I tell you what, it is kind of ironic how it comes together. You bring a Statesboro native in with a Boone native, and it's amazing what you can come up with. Doing this podcast is about the only thing Georgia Southern and App State fans can uh, agree on, I think. Yeah, that's kind of how that's kind of how I feel. I never thought I would go into something teaming up with somebody out of Statesboro, but nonetheless, here we are, ready to talk a little Sun Belt football. And as we go ahead and get the ball rolling on this thing, the two big things that happen that stand out from uh, Week Three, of course, Hurricane Florence directing uh, and making some games get moved or not even going to be played at all in this 2018 season. But the way it moves on, the two big things that happen: number one. The Troy Trojans, they do it again. They go into another Power 5 school, and they pull the upset. Now, granted, Nebraska's not what LSU was, but the the big key in this one is this was a dominant Troy victory, I felt, from the get-go. I, I felt like Troy felt like they were going to win this game from the moment they kicked off on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, obviously last year going into, uh, Baton Rouge, you know, LSU was all over the map last year and no one really knew what to expect from them with, uh, Ed Orgeron taking over. So, um, you know, Nebraska, they're in a bad spot, obviously right now talent wise. Uh, you know, Scott Frost, we all know is a good head coach from his time at UCF, but, uh, yeah, it's a it's a rough start starting the season 0 and 2 and uh Lincoln it's going to be a long season for him as he as he continues trying to figure, you know, things out on both sides of the ball. Definitely so. You know, I I take out of that matchup with Nebraska for Troy. When you go over the stat line, I mean, Caleb Barker, he was 14 of 21 passing, 110 yards and an interception. Nothing that jumps off the page because that's a 46 QBR. I mean, nothing spectacular at all. Now, granted, it's not like Bunch, Andrew Bunch was that much better for Nebraska, but Troy found consistency in the running game from B.J. Smith and then also from Sawyer Smith. Uh, B.J. had 11 carries for 70 yards, and uh, also Sawyer had four carries for 60 yards. B.J. had two scores. But the Troy defense had some really good shining moments, especially that interception there that won the game with under two minutes to play. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a lot of Nebraska's problem in that game, especially early on, was that they couldn't get out of their own way. Um, obviously, like, when you go in and look at the stats for Nebraska and stuff, they ran the ball pretty well overall. Uh, they had two guys who had 60 or more yards. Um, but to be able to run the ball that well and, and not be able to beat, you know, all, all credit to the, to Troy, but, you know, a Sunbelt team at home in week two, um, it's, 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 like I said, it's going to be a rough season, especially with, you know, Bunch, you mentioned Barker's QBR. Bunch, Bunch's QBR was not even 36. 
So uh, to turn the ball over two times at home, especially with the game-clinching interception like that, like I said, it's just going to be a rough season for Scott Frost. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be all bells and whistles and trumpets like a lot of the Cornhusker faithful thought it would because, as you mentioned, you just go over the stat line and it's not impressive. It's not overly impressive on either side, but it was really unimpressive on the Cornhusker side. The other big thing that happened uh, last week, we finally had Sunbelt Conference football, South Alabama taking on Texas State. And once again, Texas State, they rear the head of, it looks like they've got a game going in their way, and then all of a sudden somebody comes back and spoils the party for Everett Withers. Yeah, that seems to be a, a you know a running theme uh, as he, as he's the coach of Texas State. Uh, every time you feel like they're they're right there in it and getting competitive, like you said, so they just end up tripping over their own feet. You know, South Alabama scored 18 unanswered points in the last quarter uh, and won by 10. Um, you know, credit to uh, their receiver Jamarius Way. I've I've seen him play Georgia Southern a couple of years now. I've always thought he was really solid. And so, uh, you know, to put up a line like 11 catches, 173 and a touch, uh, you know, that's impressive. But Texas State allowing 18 unanswered in the last quarter uh, when you're when you're up is just it's a tough it's a tough one to stomach early early in the season like that. Definitely so. Uh, Orth, the quarterback for South Alabama, 24 of 33 passing, 266 yards and two touchdowns. A pretty good game uh, for him. Texas State, though, once again, you know, you talk about it. This is a thing with Everett Withers. You know, he's had so much tout coming into this Texas State program, and you keep having games like this. One has to wonder, another bad season, just how long do they let this leash get? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't understand, you know, these these Texas-based schools. Uh, there's just so much talent in the state of Texas, and I know, you know, schools from all over the country are, are trying to uh, kind of steal recruits from out under them, but there's just so much talent. I mean, they should be better than they are, in my opinion. Definitely so. I, that's a, a very good, valid point. I like the point you make. You know, this is something I've thought of. Especially once you get into the G5 ranks in the state of Texas, there's always, I felt like, a taste of there's a little bit left to be desired. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, to I don't mean I don't mean to keep harping on this and really step on Texas State's hopes for this year, but you know, you go into the third, you go into the fourth quarter up, and you lose by ten by allowing eighteen unanswered. It's just it's so tough to to comprehend how that happens after you play a solid three quarters of football. Definitely so. Well, that's really the two big things that happened over the weekend. When you look back all over the week three games as a whole, Hurricane Florence was felt early. Coastal Carolina moved their football game up against Campbell all the way up until Wednesday. They played on September the 12th last Wednesday, and uh, they actually moved the game to Bowie's Creek, a rare appearance where you see an FBS school move into an FCS stadium to play a football game, and it was a game early on, man. It was filled with offense. Coastal Carolina, though, finally woke up, blew the doors open in the second half, and route to a 58-21 victory. You know, Brian, this is a team you're familiar with seeing uh, in Coastal Carolina because they're going to be playing Georgia Southern now every year being in the same division. I think this is a program who... As they take their baby steps to get better, you're going to see this program maybe pull an upset or two in this conference. 
Yeah, I, I feel like overall they could be one of those teams that, uh, you know, like a like a Purdue, uh, where they'll win a game or two that they have no business winning, but then they'll play like a tight first half with a team like Campbell. Uh, I mean, I know, you know, like we said, they played on Wednesday afternoon, essentially. I think the kickoff was, like, super early. But, you know, to to be to be close with a team, an FCS team like Campbell for the first two quarters. But, you know, like you said, they woke up. They scored 34 unanswered in the second half. Uh, Kilton Anderson threw three touchdowns. You know, other than that, they looked, you know, like they got the job done on paper. But, yeah, I just think it's going to be one of those where they'll lose a game they shouldn't lose. Uh, they'll win a game they shouldn't win. Uh, and it's just kind of going to be uh, all over the place until they kind of find their equilibrium in the Sun Belt. Well, you move on and look at uh, Friday night. Had a little Friday night football. Memphis taking on Georgia State last week. Memphis routed the Panthers 59-22. I, I said this going in. If Georgia State keeps this within three scores, they're going to be counting themselves lucky. I felt like Memphis was just too much for Georgia State before they even kicked off. Yeah, and, you know, just going down the stat line, uh, Memphis was just putting up points in bunches. You had, you know, Brady White, their quarterback, Five touchdowns uh, on 19 completions. Uh, their their running back Daryl Henderson ran for 233 on 14 carries. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think that's a, you know a death sentence for Georgia State this season, but they're definitely going to have to figure out their defensive issues. Uh, so you know, if they can figure that out, they could be you know a little uh, a little dangerous as the season moves along, but. You know, a team like Memphis, you play a team like that, you don't really go in expecting to win. You just expect to, to look good. And, and, you know, they didn't, but, you know, credit to Memphis for being a talented offensive football team. Well, when you move on down, uh, your Georgia Southern Eagles were in action in Death Valley taking on uh, Debo Sweeney and his Clemson Tigers. Uh, I watched a good part of the first half of this football game, and especially through the first quarter and really a lot of this game, I thought Georgia Southern did a lot of things uh, well. Now, people may look at the score and think 38-7, to you know, this game, th- there wasn't much to it. But uh, if, when, if you'll go back and watch the football game, Georgia Southern did... Did some things, especially early on defensively, that really caught my eye. It's game night at the hut. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I I wrote this in my recap of that game. It, you know, like you said, you you look at the box score, you're like, this game was never close. But I mean, you know, with 10 minutes left in the game, it was 24 to seven, and Georgia Southern had forced Clemson uh, to turn the ball over for the third time in the game. I was like. You know, if Georgia Southern goes down and scores here, we're looking at a 10-point game against the number two team in the country. Um, you know, obviously they, their talent and, you know, just depth overall took over. Um, I wasn't too, I wasn't super impressed, even though the, the announcers kept talking up uh, Trevor Lawrence, their quarterback. He looked okay. Uh, you know, he missed some throws, but I guess that's, that's what comes with being a freshman. But I was really impressed with how the Georgia Southern defense performed for, you know, three-plus quarters. Uh, I do feel like their offense, they need to open it up a little bit when you're playing a team like Clemson. Um, you know, when they played UMass last week, they really just ran it right down their throat, and that's just not going to work. you got to kind of out-scheme a team like Clemson when they've got that much of a talent deficit. So, you know, hats off to them. They they looked pretty good. They get two weeks off, and they get to play Arkansas State at home. So we'll look forward to that, and we'll see how they look against the uh, Sun Belt team in the opener. 
Well, when you move on down, you look Arkansas State uh, took on Tulsa, uh, and this was a game I thought, when you look at the box score, it was a close game. Arkansas State finally pulled away in the third quarter. They scored uh, 14 in the third, but one thing I've noticed about Arkansas State is so far in their games against uh, Southeast Missouri State, Alabama, and now Tulsa, this team has not started games very well. No, that seems to be a running thing with them. And, you know, it's been a running uh, thing with them the last couple of years that they just don't start the season very, off very hot until they get into Sunbelt team, Sun Belt play. And then once they get into Sunbelt play, they seem to cut it on. So, I mean, you know, do what you can to get a win against a team like Tulsa. Uh, obviously, last week, you know, you lose to Alabama, but that's nothing to really be upset about. Um but, yeah, I mean, this is kind of par for the course for Arkansas State. You know, they lost to an FCS team last year uh, before Sunbelt play started. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is, and we'll, we'll kind of see their true colors once we get into conference play. Well, when you move on down, uh, Louisiana, Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns were taking on Mississippi State. Uh, through one quarter, they only trailed 14-3, to still in striking distance. But once that second quarter started, the Bulldogs just laid the pedal to the floor. And once again, the suspect defense of the Raging Cajuns, they gave up a lot of points. Yeah, but, you know, you take on a, a, a player like Nick Fitzgerald, it's it, it, he's just like he's just that much better and yep. and you'll, you're not going to see a guy like that in Sunbelt play who's going to score six touchdowns by himself and have like 300 all-purpose yards it's just it's just not going to happen so it's one of those games you just kind of take your lumps you collect your check and you uh, try to put that game behind you as quickly as you can you're definitely right. Fitzgerald is a quarterback. Hey, you're not going to see any other thing like him uh, in the Sun Belt. When you move on down, we've already talked about Troy and Nebraska, South Alabama, and Texas State. Uh, you move on, Texas A&M and Louisiana Monroe. The Aggies got a big 48-10 to victory, as many people thought they would take care of business against Louisiana uh, Monroe. After one quarter, it was only 7-3, to and then Texas A&M rolls off 17 17- unanswered in the second once again i mean caleb evans he was 15 for 28 passing 225 yards a touchdown and an interception Uh, not a horrid stat line considering who you were playing yeah and then but you know it's the same it's kind of the same thing as fitzgerald you know kellen mon played really well uh the previous week against clemson uh, who again, number two team in the country, you know, obviously they're no slouch, but you know, he, t- he tosses three to our runs for two touchdowns and throw throws for one. It, it, you're just not going to see a player of that caliber once you get in the Sunbelt play. So much like Louisiana, you know, you just kind of hang your hat and, and say, you know, we're just not going to let this bother us moving forward. Well, of course, the Appalachian State game against Southern Miss postponed due to uh, Hurricane Florence. This was one of the games I was really looking forward to as an Appalachian State fan because back in 2014, when the Mountaineers were beginning their transition into the Sun Belt, uh, in, in a year that left uh, the way that 2014 season started out for the Appalachian faithful, fresh off of a four and eight season, our our first year as an FCS independent as far to, as part of the FBS transition. 
position. Uh, you know, an unusual thing for Mountaineer fans to have to sit through a four and eight season coupled with the horrid start that came with 2014. Southern Miss and that start uh, for Appalachian in 2014 was one of the closest games they had. Exactly the closest game that they had. They uh, marched downfield to tie it up late in the fourth quarter, and then the extra point was blocked, and Southern Miss came out with a 21-20 victory. You know, I think even from your perspective, Brian, uh, this would have been one of the uh, the better G5 football games to possibly see in Week Three. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously it's a shame that you know the weather kind of threw it off. Uh, it's it, it's listed as postponed, so I assume it's not canceled. Uh, so, you know, we, once they get all that rescheduled and we can work, look for it, uh, down the line as the season kind of moves along. Well, they actually announced today, as of when we were recording this on Tuesday evening, the game will not be made up. So the game has no intentions of being played somewhere down the line. Uh, that's a shame. That's a shame. Like you said, it would have been a good game, especially uh, given the history between those two teams. Definitely so. Well, as we move on, we've kind of recapped everything over from uh, week three. We move into week four. There's some very enticing games here. Uh, we're we're going to go over the lineup of games, and then we'll end the podcast with a little fun belt pick em, I think will be a good thing to dub this as. But when you start looking over the slate of uh, games for this week, they're all on Saturday. We've got a week here where all the Sun Belt teams play on Saturday. The first one, though, Western Michigan taking on Georgia State. Western Michigan coming into this game as a seven-and-a-half point favorite against the Panthers. What do you see when you go into this game, Brian? Uh, like I said when I was talking about Georgia State before, uh, it's all going to come down to how they play defensively. Uh, Western Michigan's quarterback's been pretty good this year, tossing five touchdowns in three games. Um, but yeah, like I said, you know, they're going to have to shut down, uh, Western Michigan's Dwayne Estridge, uh, through the air. He's their leading receiver. Uh, like I said, with the Memphis game, it's all going to come down to how they play defensively. I think they can manage enough offense to, uh, come away with the win, but the defense is really going to have to step up and stop, uh, Western Michigan. Well, one of the things I look at in this Western Michigan-Georgia State game is you look at who the teams have played so far, Georgia State, uh, you know, playing Memphis, playing NC State, and then playing Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State by no means is a pushover from the FCS ranks by any means. And then you look at who Western uh, Michigan has done battle with. Now, granted, they're fresh off a thrashing of Delaware State, but, you know, you also throw a, a surprisingly uh, decent Syracuse team in the mix that they've already played this year, that they played them down to the wire uh, in week one. This is a game, I think, I know you have a pair of one and two teams going into this, but with that seven and a half point spread, I feel like this is a game, if Georgia State is not careful, this one could get out of hand kind of quick. Yeah, and you know, like I said, defensively, if they've had a lot of trouble stopping guys this year, and obviously they've played two tough teams, but... You know, Western Michigan's never really a slouch, and uh, even though P.J. Fleck's not there anymore, they can still score a good bit of points. So, like you said, I would, I would, I would be careful and uh, try to keep uh, Western Michigan off of the uh, field, maybe using a little running game, but we'll see how it goes. Well, you move on down. Of course, that Western Michigan-Georgia State game scheduled for a 2 o'clock kick on ESPN+. Gardner-Webb and Appalachian State, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time at the Rock in Boone. Uh, Appalachian making their 
a long-awaited home debut in 2018, and they'll do so against an FCS opponent from right here in the state of North Carolina. The running Bulldogs of Gardner-Webb, I don't expect this game to be put on the board as far as any spread goes. It could be early Saturday morning. Sometimes you get some late spreads put out there depending on uh, any site that you might look at, but I don't think it's going to matter here. Um, Gardner-Webb by no means has played any of the competition that Appalachian State uh, has played. and You know, it's an FCS versus FBS game, so you, you add that into the mix. Plus, Appalachian with a week off of rest after they uh, took care of Charlotte, took Penn State down to the wire. I really don't think going into this game, Brian, the Mountaineers should worry too much. No, and, and you know, like you said, with them not making a, the uh, Southern Miss game, they've had two weeks to basically prepare for Gardner-Webb. Uh, if you, let me ask you a question. If you were an odds maker and you had to lay a line, what would you say App State was a favorite? Like 28 points? I, I was going to say somewhere around 29, maybe 30, just depending. Uh, you know, This is an App State team. If you go back and look, it's hit and miss when they get a huge score. You know, Every once in a while, you'll see them drop 50 or 60 on, uh, on an FCS school, but you've also seen them hang 45 and 49 plenty of times, and the other school have 10 to 14. You know, it just depends. It's not like Satterfield exactly just wants to go out there and run the score up on these on these smaller schools. But I will say this. I think there's a good chance Zach Thomas is done by middle of the third quarter in this game or maybe just plays through the third quarter. Then you see Jacob Huseman or Peyton Derrick split time in the fourth. Uh, Jalen Moore could have a great day here against Gardner-Webb. I, I don't think that you're going to see a lot of starters come out uh, of this game uh, any earlier than halftime, but I also don't think you're going to see them play into the fourth quarter much because this is a game on paper Appalachian State should not have a problem with. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't see it staying close for very long, but like you said, Satterfield doesn't exactly like to rub it in. So, uh, I, I mean, I could see this one being closer than a four touchdown deficit, but you know, it, either way, App State should roll pretty easy. Well, you move on down. Uh, that game once again scheduled for a 3.30 kickoff on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, the running Rebels of UNLV make the trip to Jonesboro to take on the Red Wolves. Arkansas State comes into this game as a 7.5-point favorite. So, so far you got a pair of 7.5-point favorites in uh, Sunbelt games uh, this weekend, uh, the Rebels and the Red Wolves. Uh, when you go into this game, Brian, uh, do you like the 7.5 Arkansas State? Uh, I actually would take the seven and a half that UNLV is getting. Um, I think they've had an interesting slate early on. They get thrashed by U, uh, USC, which is not a surprise. But the last two weeks, they've scored 52 and 46 in a pair of wins. Um, you know, I think this game's going to be a little closer than uh, the line says, but I still think Arkansas State should win. You know, Justice Hansen's probably the best quarterback in the Sun Belt, having, and it seems like he's been there for 100 years. So I see Arkansas State winning this one maybe by a touchdown, but, I, you know, I would take the 7.5 if I was betting on UNLV. 
Well, you make a good uh, you make a good assumption there. And uh, Rogers, the quarterback for UNLV, so far this year, he's thrown six touchdown passes to just one interception. So he's had a pretty good touchdown to interception ratio. And, and you're right, it's an interesting thing to look at. Now, granted, you look over the the past two games, Arkansas State's played Alabama and Tulsa, UNLV's played UTEP. We know how what kind of problems they're having down in El Paso, and then mm-hmm. Prairie View A and M. So you look over the past two opponents, not exactly on the same level by any means with each other, but you're right. I think this is one of those games that's a sneaky. I think this is a sneak bet where it could come back to get you by just glaring at what you see. I think you got to dive into the numbers a little bit more in depth to really see the value in taking UNLV min- or plus the 7.5 in this case. Yeah, and, you know, the problem when you bet on a team like UNLV that, you know, scores a ton of points and stuff like that is – uh, you know, if, if they kind of get into a hole and, you know, start turning the ball over to Arkansas State, you know, it could, it could run completely the other way and Arkansas State could win by three scores. You just never, you never know when you have a team like that. So it'll be interesting to see if I was betting on it, uh, I would probably say take the UNLV plus seven and a half, but, you know, I think Arkansas State should win regardless. Well, you move on down um, a 7 o'clock kick in that UNLV-Arkansas State game on ESPN3. Another 7 o'clock kick all these times Eastern time, of course, on ESPN+. Plus. The Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina, they got a 10-day rest period to get ready and travel to take on Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns. Uh, Louisiana comes into this game as a four-point favorite and, you know, this is an, another interesting game uh, to look at, Brian. When you look at the schedule of who's played who in this game, Coastal's played South Carolina. They had that awesome come-from-behind victory against UAB. Then they woke up through the second half and throttled Campbell. Of course, uh, Louisiana's played Grambling and Mississippi State. This is a game, this should be one of the more competitive games I think you'll see in the Sun Belt, out of the Sun Belt for this week. But I'm going to be honest with you, this is a game here, that minus four in favor of the of the Raging Cajuns, I don't know that I wouldn't consider taking the Chanticleers here plus the four because I really don't trust the Raging Cajun defense. Absolutely, and that's that's literally what I was getting ready to say. Uh, it's always tough when you're a team like Louisiana and you play – you know, an HBCU in Grambling State week one, and then you get thrashed by uh, a team like Mississippi State week two, you really haven't gotten a feel for how good your football team is because, honestly, your your starters probably haven't seen that much play in time. Uh, I'll t- I would take Coastal in the plus four and run with it. Uh, I feel like Coastal, uh, you know, they played South Carolina pretty well in the first game. I was there and watched that game. Uh, I was impressed with how Kilton Anderson played, despite the fact that his offensive line wasn't giving him much help. But uh, I would take I would take Coastal in this one for the upset. Well, you move on down Troy and Louisiana Monroe as another seven o'clock kickoff. The Sun Belt really heavy in the seven o'clock kickoff start times for this week. This one on ESPN Plus. The Trojans making the trip to Monroe, Louisiana, to take on the Warhawks. And this is the same spot Troy was in last year, Brian. They fresh off of a Power 5 win. Last year, you know, they dropped it to South Alabama in a shocker that not a lot of people see coming. Troy enters this game as a six-point favorite. Do you see the chances of a South Alabama happening for the second year in a row? No, I think... I think uh... 
Neil Brown is going to kind of uh, steer them the right direction this time around. He he's obviously you know went through that last season. Uh, I think he's going to preach to those guys that they can't have another uh, turnaround fallout like they did last year to South Alabama. So I like Troy. Um, that six point line I probably would not touch just because that seems about right. Um, but I don't see Troy turning around and doing it doing that for a second year in a row. You know, I really don't either. You look at both of these schools, they're both two and one. Uh, Troy's two wins come against Nebraska and Florida A&M. Obviously, they were blew out by Boise State in week one. Louisiana Monroe, however, they squeaked by with their life against southeastern Louisiana, squeaked by in a game they really shouldn't have won against Southern Miss, a game that Southern Miss should have won. But Louisiana Monroe comes out with that one-point victory, then gets thrashed by Texas A&M. You know, I, I really think that Troy, and you're right, I wouldn't touch this line. At six, I would not touch the line. But if I were going to absolutely take somebody, I believe I would go Troy minus the six simply because they're going to have in the back of their minds what happened last year. And I think Neil Brown is going to say, I'd be darn if I let that happen again. I actually think if I had to touch the line, I would take UL Monroe plus the six. Uh, I could see Troy coming out super hot, uh, going up, you know, two score, two three scores early, and then just kind of taking their foot off the pedal. But I don't see them losing this game. No, I I, I really don't either. As we move on here, uh, good stuff as always. That game scheduled for a seven o'clock start. The last seven o'clock start we have on ESPN Plus. The Texas State Bobcats take on the Texas San Antonio Roadrunners. A little in-state Texas G5 football. This game uh, coming in UTSA an eight-point favorite at home. They're zero and three. The Bobcats are one and two. This game going to be played inside the comforts of the Alabama. Dome, so you don't have to worry about weather or anything like that playing a uh, playing any sort of way into this. What do you think, Brian, going into this? Do you like the Roadrunners minus the eight, or do you finally take the Bobcats to, as an underdog, maybe even win a game outright? I know which way I'm leaning when it comes to this, but uh, how are you feeling when it comes to in terms of the Roadrunners and the Bobcats? I honestly don't know all that much about UTSA. Uh, you know, obviously we've got some writers who, uh, cover, cover them. And, you know, I, I feel bad that they've started the season with such a tough slate. They played Arizona State, Baylor, and Kansas State. That's such a, that's such a rough way to start the season. Um, I don't, me not knowing that much about UTSA, I would probably take Texas State plus seven and a half. I think they'd be able to keep it within that margin. But uh, as far as picking a winner, I really don't know. Right. Well, you, when you move on here and you look deeper into this matchup, you're right. You look at who Texas State, or I should say Texas San Antonio, excuse me, has played. Arizona State, Baylor, and Kansas State. They didn't really get blown out by Baylor. They only lost 37-20. to Kansas State, they were beat 41-17. Arizona State in Herm Edwards' debut of 49-7. to this is a game, you're right, it's maybe the first or second toughest game out of the conference uh, of lineup of games to pick this week. Uh, it's an interesting matchup, to say the least. I'll be curious when I have not seen the over-under in this game, I'll be curious to see what it is. But Texas State's a team, when it comes to just betting in general, this is a team I wouldn't trust on either side of the spread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty much right there with you. Uh 
you know, UTSA, you never know when a team comes out and they play that many tough teams in a row. You don't, you don't really know how good they are. Uh, just like you don't know how good Baylor is, even though they kept it close with them. So, uh, I wouldn't touch this line with a 10 foot pole if we're being honest. Well, our last game uh, to talk about before we get to our straight-up fun belt pick-ems, uh, South Alabama and Memphis, a 8 o'clock start time on ESPN3. The Jaguars make the trip to the Liberty Bowl to take on the high-powered offense that is Memphis. Uh, the Tigers come into this game as 30 point favorites this line has moved when it opened up they were 28 it's now moved up to 30 do you do you see this line moving up past 30 much more i'm not sure uh i think south alabama can keep it within 30 if that line doesn't move uh i think they've got enough offense uh they could especially late you know if memphis gets up and kind of rests on their laurels a little bit i think south alabama could score some garbage time points and really keep it uh, within the the spread, um, but I have no idea if they plan on moving this this lineup anymore. Uh, South Alabama, I feel like, is more talented than Georgia State, so I do see this game being a little closer than that. Uh, I tell you, when you get two G five football teams together like this, now granted, you put Memphis on one level and South Alabama way in another tier, but when you start getting over thirty. It really starts to, you know, it's hard to go and lay money and feel completely comfortable and let on a game like this because when you see that spread get over 30, people don't realize that it's a tough thing for a favorite to have to cover. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, as we're saying this, watch Memphis go lay 75 points on well, South Alabama. Exactly. I was getting ready to say they might load up 600 yards of offense and score about seven or eight touchdowns and then lay 70 up on the board. This is something the Tigers have been very much capable of doing over the past few seasons. And uh, kind of look ahead at your week four lineup. That's the complete lineup of games. Once again, Georgia State, Western Michigan, App State, Gardner-Webb, Arkansas State, UNLV, Louisiana, and Coastal, Louisiana, Monroe, and Troy, Texas, San Antonio, and Texas State, and Memphis and South Alabama. A lot of good fun belt football now as we come down the final stretch of the podcast for this week. Something I think is appropriately to be called fun belt pick them straight up, no spreads. You know, we're just going to go straight up in a head-to-head style. Who we like in each matchup straight up without the spread. So the first one will start back up at the top, just go in game time start order. Georgia State, Western Michigan, I like the Broncos. You throw the spread out the window here just straight up. I like Western Michigan's offense better than I like Georgia State's defense. That's exactly how I feel. You know, Georgia State didn't do themselves any favors last week, obviously, against Memphis. Um, but yeah, give me the Broncos in that one. Well, you move on. App State, Gardner Webb. I don't think we have to spend a lot of time on this one. I think Zach Thomas continues to show why he could end up being a better heir apparent uh, than Taylor Lamb. I feel like the potential on this kid is very, very strong. People still need to realize this kid's just a redshirt sophomore who has two starts under his belt now since his senior year of high school in 2015. I like Appalachian State to roll in their home opener. Yeah, this would be another good one to uh, to kind of get under his belt. Uh, you know, Jalen Moore, who they have, is one of the more talented running backs in the Sun Belt. I think they roll over Gardner-Webb pretty easy. UNLV, Arkansas State, straight up. Uh, once again, no spread involved when we do fun belt pick'em. 
I like the Red Wolves. Now, I think this game also depends on if UNLV, if their defense is able to cause any turnovers. Their defense is going to have to keep them in this game, I think, and not let this game get out of hand. Their defense is going to have to make some key stops and preferably force a few turnovers. But straight up, I just think the Red Wolves are the better football team. I agree. And, and, you know, like I said before, you know, Justice Hansen is obviously one of, if not the best quarterback in the Sun Belt right now. Um, I see Arkansas State winning this one. Uh, I do think it's going to be close uh, within a touchdown, like I said before, but uh, I do see Arkansas State beating UNLV. Well, we move on down Coastal Carolina on the road, taking on Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns down on the Bayou in Lafayette. I. You know, even by the spread, the Chanticleers are the underdog. I'm going with the Chanticleers here. I've seen this team, uh, you know, when I've watched some of their games uh, on ESPN3 this year and looked over their stat lines and studied it. I'm going to say the Chanticleers go in to Lafayette. It's my upset pick for this week. I like Coastal Carolina to come out of Cajun Field with a Sunbelt victory and get to 3-1 and one and 1-0 one and oh in Sunbelt play, but I think it'll be a higher scoring game because neither team has the best defense by any means. I could see this being a 42-38 ball game. I agree. Uh, I'm, I'm all over the Chanticleers in this one, too. Uh, I like the way that they've looked uh, through three games, so uh, I'm all over them, over Louisiana. You move on down, Troy and Louisiana Monroe. Uh, you know, there's always the possibility of a letdown. Troy had it here against South Alabama uh, a year ago, fresh off of a Power 5 victory. I don't think it's going to happen in a straight-up head-to-head matchup with no spread involved. I like the Trojans. I think Neil Brown will have his team ready. Uh, I think this, this game could be closer than people expected because there's the natural letdown spot fresh off of a game, uh, the magnitude of going in and beating a Big Ten team at home, but I think Troy gets the job done and they get to three and one and one and zero in the Sun Belt. I think Troy gets the job done, but it's a lot closer uh, than most people might think. I'd say they win a field goal game. Well, that's a, a good assumption of that as well. You move on, Texas State and UTSA. Uh, this is a game, you know, you, you voiced, you know, you're not knowing much about Texas State, Antonio, when we were going over with the spreads and everything of that nature. Straight up, head to head. I know by records, Texas State 1 and 2, Texas San Antonio 0 and 3. Texas San Antonio has played much better competition overall in their three losses than Texas State has in their three games at home. In Inside the Alamo Dome, a place where you can get an offense cranked up and rolling inside on a fast track like that. I like the Roadrunners to get their first victory of the season. I do, too. I think Texas State is uh, is a good test for them, having played, like we said, three really tough opponents in a row. Um, but Texas State, you know, last week they didn't look great against South Alabama, like we mentioned before. Uh, I like the Roadrunners as well. Well, so far we agree on every straight-up pick the last one, and I don't think that we're going to disagree on this one either, my man. South Alabama and Memphis, the game going to be played once again 8 o'clock on ESPN3 at the Liberty Bowl. Uh, the, the spread is up to 30 for a reason. Not many people think the Jaguars are, are going to keep this game close. Uh, Memphis, you know, they've played Navy. That's where their one loss come from. Then they played Georgia State and beat Mercer first game of the season. 
So not exactly a non-conference schedule that just is, you know, blow the doors off. They've played some tough opponents by no means, but the 30 seems a little high spread-wise, but straight up, head-to-head, you got to take the Tigers. Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm, I don't see an over-under on this game, but I'd probably take the over. I'd say... Uh... It's a little bit like last week. I say Memphis scores more than 50, but South Alabama puts up about 35 of their own. Do you think if they were to set, let's just say if we were setting a fictional over-under on this game at, you know, say 70 or, or whatever, I think there's chances that Memphis could hit the over by themselves. Absolutely. If it's 70, I'm all over the over on that one. Uh, like I said, I could see a game where Memphis scores uh anywhere from 48 to like 56 points and then South Alabama adds 28 or so of their own uh I'd be all over the over on that one Definitely so. Well, we agree for the first fun belt pick'em of the year. We agree on every game. Western Michigan over Georgia State, App State over Gardner-Webb, Arkansas State over UNLV, uh, Coastal Carolina over Louisiana, Troy over Louisiana Monroe, uh, UTSA, the Roadrunners over Texas State, and Memphis over South Alabama. Those are our fun belt picks from uh, this week. When we come back next week, we'll see how our record is so far through the first time of doing it as we wind down the podcast here for our first Sunbelt pod of 2018. Uh, Brian, it's been a lot of fun, my man. One thing I want to do each week before we go, what is your one thing you're looking for uh, out of the Sunbelt this week? This is something Adam and I used to do. What's your one thing you're looking for out of the Sunbelt here for week four? I'm looking for Arkansas State over UNLV. Uh, like I've said, you know, Arkansas State – has a has a history of not being able to cut it on until they get in the Sun Belt play. Um, I think they uh, they make a, they get a statement win over UNLV and a pretty good offense. Well, the one thing I'm looking for this week is for Troy to avoid the letdown. I think, you know, it's a, something a lot of people will talk about because they're in the same spot they were last year against South Alabama. I'm looking for Troy to avoid the letdown and take care of Louisiana Monroe. That's the one thing I'm looking for this week for the Sun Belt. Brian, as always, our Georgia Southern contributor here to Underdog Dynasty. Tell people if they want to hook up with you on social media, on Twitter and stuff, how they can do so. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at uh, at WatchTheStone. Uh, I disagree with a lot of people on college football, so that's always fun. Oh, definitely. So, of course, uh, you, your Eagles this week, they got their bye week, so you're going to be uh, kicking it back, w- getting to watch the conference as a whole this week instead of focusing just on uh, your Eagles. Man, we will do this again next week. Look forward to it as always. Once again, you can follow him there uh, on Twitter. Always good to follow Brian because, as he just said, He disagrees with a lot of people on college football. Man, thanks so much. Yeah, man, thanks. This should be great moving forward. Absolutely. And this has been the first Sunbelt podcast for 2018 here, part of Underdog Dynasty. Of course, I'm Aikman Chambers, the Appalachian State contributor to the site. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Radio Guy AC and hook up with us. This has been the Underdog Dynasty podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football. <laughs>